0: Okay, so we have Callum Brazzo on the line. Thanks for joining the podcast, Callum. Hello. Thanks and welcome. And we also have here James Gordon. Hi, James. Hi there. Hi, Callum.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Hi, James. Hi, Chris. Right. So, Callum, yeah, thanks again for joining the podcast. It's a real honour to have you on. You're obviously someone that's very well known in the autistic community. You've done lots of of work um, regarding, in particular, Uh, performance and poetry and telling your stories uh, and views and experiences through that um, through that sort of angle right through that lens and you've got various support groups that you run and you do lots of advocacy work so I think it'd be great just to sort of learn all about the various things that you do why you do them and and everything else but before we jump into all the specific uh, bits of work that you do um would you mind talking us through your your autism journey um uh how how your you know uh diagnosis or your realization perhaps that you're autistic came to be and a little bit about your story and journey essentially
1: sure yeah um gosh well i'm 28 years old now which is exactly 14 years um since probably for the darkest times of my life my, my parents uh divorced uh around that time as well and this accelerated or decelerated my depression at the time because I was being bullied um in secondary school because in, in primary school uh, I sat by myself you know in literally in the corner of the playground playing wrestling with my fingers and i, I just thought that was what I wanted to do everyone else was the problem you, know, do, do you do you have any friends people would ask me and people would say uh you know that's come play with us and I just, I just thought, no, I'm no, I'm i fine I'm, I'm cool and then we got to secondary school so primary school was kind of just just there I remember good times but mostly by myself in my the playground I, I think my dad well I'll get into um, my, my dad's perspective because I'm sure it's very different to to uh, how I experienced it but I just know that when I got to secondary school I became aware of differences within Way I was interacting with people because I wanted to intera- interact. I wanted to make friends, but I also didn't know how to. And people people gossiped, and I wasn't really sure even if I did reach out, were they being genuine? People did mock me because of I had dreadlocks back then, um, glasses, which I still have. Mm. Uh, Ticks. I've also been diagnosed since with Tourette's, which people people mocked me for, and. Um, I think I think genetically I was probably a shyer kid anyway, but I think being autistic and in a way probably an overprotective mum and possibly dad as well. I think he's he said in later years he holds himself partially accountable, which as parents surely that's just normal. You know, both both of my parents raised me and made me. Um, in the in the beginning stages of my life, but I just, I just know that when it got to secondary school, my my parents were divorcing. My mum could have gone about it a different way. Um, I dreaded phone calls from her. I I absolutely hated her for for her act, and um, I I remember I remember the time. Well, I'm I'm pretty sure it was the time, but my dad found out. But I think it was just a very poignant time uh, where. It was uh, I was laying, laying in bed and I heard um, crying, or I, well, I think I think it was crying, or I, I heard like a squeaky like, a voice did, I didn't recognise. But then turned out to be my dad crying. See, he, he, I'm sure he'd found out the news or something, or something was happening. Again, I'm not fully aware of everything that my dad's gone through, even that my mum my mum's gone through her, her emotions and her decision. Uh, but as, as, as a kid, I wanted acceptance from my mum that this was hurting me and poetry became uh, my expression for all of all of this. So I, I, I was writing... My dad was the one to encourage me to write my feelings down. And I think one of my first songs, if not my first song, was called Live On, which, given the, the context, is <laughs> a strangely positive title. So I, I went into a recording studio... Many years later to record Live On, <laughs> I had like a Rasta coloured hat, um, a chain with a dollar sign. It was tip- typically Americanised rap. It was it was awful. Um, and also back then I was making songs that were just about silliness as well. But I I remember making making this rap song and you can you can hear the pages turning because it wasn't originally uh, a complete piece. It was just a list of uh, verses or like bits I would sing and then turned out into this recording. Anyway, I got, got done with it and um, sent it to my mum and she, she, she was just like, I don't, I don't like it. And I think um, and that's not really the purpose. It was just, I have this outlet. This is how I feel. And it just it felt very... I know my dad understood that i'm, I'm trying i'm, I'm hurting here like I'm, I'm a 12 13 14 year old boy just trying to express themselves to hit, to have their mum be like which which as an adult i understand um because any song that you write with someone specifically in mind it's all a, full of hate full of passion which is really the core of it you know mm-hmm. it's very easy to be like oh i don't like that because that's very it's like it's like a personal attack, isn't it? But mm. um, I, I wrote a live on, but every so the verses were obviously initially negative. I rewrote every verse, but had a positive slant on every part, and I, I called it revival. And that was because it, when when the book first came around, didn't have that in it. I don't I don't think because initially when I was uh, publishing a book. This is long. This is a long story. Is a long no, journey.
0: no, go ahead, um, please. <laughs> just it's interesting to reflect on it yeah. myself, really. Yeah. Because uh, I never
1: wrote to make a book, for example. But when when I, when I first published a book, um, it was going towards uh, Spurgey, which at the time was going to be the online arts community for autistic people, just autistic people like me coming online. And um, long story short, and that that didn't get where i wanted it to be at the time i wanted it to be more than it was and uh and now so i i, I don't think i had the rock revival i can know maybe it did. it's all it's all a bit fuzzy but i know that the recent edition of my book that i've republished goes the funds go a little bit towards my support group which i now run which is again part of the full circle journey i've been on because my personal journey of of torment and expressing myself has now become, I'm, I, I'm there for other people mm. and there's ups and downs with that. Um Yeah, it's only been a year of my support group called Autistic Lead in Sporting Lincolnshire, which is where I live. But yeah, I I, I remember wanting to include the original Live On at the back of the book because I wrote it when I was younger, but I wanted to have it at the end. And I remember my dad my dad saying... Cal, this is your this is your life. You know, you need to include this because it's you, it's your feelings. And I remember going to my brother and him saying, "You know, Cal, don't you know, don't dig up the old grave because you're 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 good with mum now. Rather than dig up old emotions, all that stuff. So that's when I decided to write Revival because I thought that's all I can do. Like, rather than cause I, I wanted to be true to myself because it is how I felt back then. I also wanted to reflect how I feel now. Um, so I, I wrote those two poems. Wow. And, uh, and that pretty much brings me to now. You know, my support group autistic nerd is where my passion lies. Um, it's been up and down because the group has developed quicker. Well, it's, 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 it's arrived at a time when I'm not ready to lead. I, I'm, I want to be included myself. Growing up, I I would have loved to have people the people people that are around me now, I mean but as friends you know autistic friends. I never knew there were other autistic people out there that were doing awesome things and not like me like advocacy stuff. Although I'm sure they do, but I, I
0: never had that community around me. Yeah. And now I felt trapped because when the group
1: started, I was painting myself in this corner of professionally. I'm I'm supposed to help you with this and go to you with, uh, for for this meeting. You know all, all this kind of stuff that I don't have professional experience in. I was just trying to be this guy that yes, I can go here. I can like schedule schedule in to do this. Actually, I have no experience of of running a group. I'm just one of you. Uh, so I felt very and and then I let people down consequently because things got too serious for me to deal with. I don't have the experience for. And then I painted myself in that corner of failing them, or they they feel like they. I've failed them. So it means that because I mean, because I'm just one of them. I'm just an autistic person that's been through some shit and I'm trying to make
0: flowers grow. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so. uh, it's really inspiring and, you know, full credit to you, particularly given how, you know, difficult, you know, times were for you in, in your childhood and, and how you've kind of turned things around through your poetry and, and pushed forwards, you know, to try and make a positive difference. I think James has got a question.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, What you were saying, Callum, uh, really uh, hits the nerve with me. I think you're probably about probably 10, 15 years younger than me. And it just sort of hit me how um, I sort of grew up in that protected environment. But I think my parents, they're in their 80s now. So for them, when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, it just wasn't, autism just wasn't a thing. It It wasn't known. It wasn't talked about. There was this kind of stigma about anything like disabilities so you just didn't talk about it and I think that's why they probably didn't they didn't have that impetus to you know take me to get diagnosed or anything there just wasn't anything but um it's interesting to look at um how you've all you've also sort of struggled with uh, and obviously your parents have struggled to come to terms with things and and to support support you through difficulties but it sort of really hits a nerve uh, and it's sort of also the way you're saying uh, that you can only sort of you've come full circle, you can only come to terms with things now. It's kind of because society's moved on a little bit since then. There's been some progress. there are autistic advocates now, adults that are out there and 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 speaking about their lives, and I think now is our time to sort of speak about these things.
1: yeah no, I totally agree um, this is a really weird reference but um, there's, there's a rapper called Royster59 who um, has close ties with Eminem who, who is a subject of mine because he's not openly said he's autistic but pretty clear you know. <laughs> he's, he's made uh, uh, lines about it and um, one of the classic ones that my dad likes is uh, you got buns I got Asperger's meaning Asperger's and um, but um mm. <laughs> The Royster Five Nine has a has a new album out, and um, he
0: he's been doing interviews,
1: you know, media interviews about it. And funnily enough, his his son is autistic, and he talks about that. But I, I won't get I won't get uh, too tangled in my own tangents yet. But my, my point is, he he was saying that as an OG, like original gangster, meaning he's an older generation uh, rapper. He kind of thinks that the older generation rappers owe it to the younger generation to tell them the the path they went and the path they should be going, like the mistakes they've made. And I feel like it's the same in the autistic community. You know, we, we need to say, look, we didn't have the knowledge that we have now. We didn't have the tools to communicate that we do now. And we kind of owe it to ourselves, I guess, now our, our our community, you know, for the children coming up into this world to to give them the tools. You know, the the thing that comes to mind is you know post like diagnostic tools. So many people have come to me in my group and said, you know, "We'll just handle a sheet. Just just been diagnosed. Now what? You know, or, or children that are in that situation. You are know, you're, you're autistic. Here, here's a leaflet. You know, that's just not good enough. And um, it may be smile inside when when i was introduced as having done all these things and being well known because I, I actually don't i feel like i operate in a vacuum sometimes uh, being being from lincolnshire you know it's this rural here and the transport isn't always so good um we have good pockets of positive positivity and and great great projects but i don't think everyone's connected as they should be and um as an autistic person i feel very um protective myself over my group because uh, or our group because I feel like I'm part of it as well because it's not only a a local thing it's a national thing it's an international thing to actually have autistic adults leading our own uh, yes there have been hurdles definitely but personally there have been been massive hurdles and learning curves for me um, I've alluded to but I just have this responsibility internally to be like yes we need to keep this going. We need to, because in, in Lincolnshire, I feel like a lot of it seems to be like parent-led, and I love parents. And everyone has a voice, of course, because the, the the argument there would be, you know, freedom of freedom of speech. I understand that, and the way I describe it is having an orchestra of voices. E- everyone's involved in in that cacophony, but historically, autistic adults' voices haven't been heard enough, and we we can go back to the females. Autistic females that have been um, undiagnosed for years upon years upon years. But just as autistic people and autistic adults, we haven't, I don't feel like, especially in Lincolnshire, had those moments where we say, actually, we can speak for ourselves or give us the right tools and we can speak for ourselves.
2: Well, I think it's fantastic that you're coming forward um, and filling that vacuum because um, you obviously might... Very needed because people are approaching you and asking you for help, um, and I think um, they're doing that because they can now see the value of lived experience, um, and you know you know exactly what the, their children are, are going through and what their children are going to face in the future, and you can give the advice, you know, to make their lives easier and give them the support they need.
1: Actually, being diagnosed, I was diagnosed in Linkia. I remember it to this day, I don't know how old I was, I'm going to say, in fact, 21 I was, 21, um, so much of it is blurred in a way, like the actual diagnostic process, like the, the underlying path that my dad must have taken to get these people in front of me to help me with my depression and to help me to see like, all these conversations he would have had, and he told me that he's had with family and friends, and they said, I think Callum might, might, might be autistic, all this stuff, but when you're in the depths of depression and in your own world, um, not, well, I guess it would be my own autistic world, but I know that there's a, there's a negative connotation to when when people say that, like, in your own world as an autistic, as hands up at the glass kind of thing. That's not how it was, but the depression, the divorce, the, the bullying, trying to understand myself and being rejected, all this kind of stuff, my dad definitely felt that. But the actual official diagnoses, um, Tourette's OCD and, um, autistic i, I cried. <laughs> I can not remember anyone else. It was my my dad and his partner at the time who helped me a lot. I think I've burst her bubbles and a few things like she I don't think she's a, she, my dad told me years later that she didn't think that I was getting a girlfriend, for example, and I've done that uh,
0: and I'm in a new relationship <laughs> so <laughs> two two and oh <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um. Uh, and
2: the funny thing is is uh,
1: the first was neurotypical and the, the this this uh this young lady this wonderful lady is autistic but it's, it's interesting that the dynamic there but yeah so when I, I was actually diagnosed i i cried
0: what was yeah. the source of that that emotion like what were you what were you feeling when you got that diagnosis um
1: just overwhelmed i think just just this in this all, everything that was internal like uh, I've, I've been struggling for so long socially, for so long, and just having someone say, you know, you meet the criteria for this, yeah, this is this goes some way to explain this turmoil you've you've been experiencing. Like I mean, if this happens in seconds, but I, I guess that's what was going through my mind. It was just finally, I, I've given a, a TEDx talk, which you might have seen on YouTube, and I, I say something like, I, I've. Suffers from depression. I've suffered from anxiety, but I've never suffered from being autistic. And I think, you know, that that rings rings true today. I think the way my autistic brain was was making sense of everything didn't help. You know, I might have been a naturally shy kid due to parenting, perhaps. But I think the autistic brain also would have made that inevitable anyway. But you know, I just. <laughs> Poetry was where it all came out. Yes, yeah, so, <laughs> it's really it's really strange to, to to think of myself as a performance poet. I'm actually performing um on the 26th of March. It's been a while. It's a local tapas bar that has open mic nights. It's a it's an intimate venue as well. So I've taken my group there, um, and that's another full circle moment I had last year. I I my dad was already there because I live on my live on my own now, and yeah, well, my dad was already at the tapas bar. He's eating and stuff, you know, being social because he's super social. He, he'll, he'll talk to anybody. Despite I think he's got confidence issues sometimes, but because he, he can't get up, get up, get up on stage like I can and perform, but he'll be a social butterfly. Um, <laughs> I think he's unbeatable. He's always his bit. <laughs> But um, so I walk in and he's there, and then my group, so part of some of my group, are following me in. And it's like this meeting of the minds situation where it's like I'm now supporting people and I'm literally seeing in front of me the person that supported me and it's a really weird situation um and then also what happened in in that night uh one of my support group members got uh got overwhelmed socially so they, they actually didn't stay and that, that made me sad but what it reminded me of myself because that definitely would have been me years and years ago
0: yeah That's really great about the group, though. This is the autistic-led group that you run in Lincolnshire, isn't it? Um, Yes. So tell us a little bit more about how exactly it works, um, you know, and how you set that up. I mean, how many people are are part of it? And is it a sort of monthly meetup? I mean, how does it work exactly? And I'm sure there are people – the reason I ask is because I'm sure there are people who may be wondering about setting up their own type of support system, so it might be useful for them to hear – how you've done it um, and any advice you might have in terms of organising this sort of thing?
1: Yeah, so um, Tonic Health is a health and wellbeing charity in supporting and um, they've got different things going on and lots of uh, community community health and wellbeing, but there was nothing really for autistic adults, but I, I think I'd been on their radar for quite some time. I went in there once with a tin of autism facts and myths and I was going around town and I was just asking people to to pull one out <laughs> silly things like um autistic people don't exist in Spain because of the heat or um you know autistic people have sex, you know different different like s- silly things, and some serious like I can't remember all of them, so I've still got it. I still intend to uh do something more with it, but I remember doing that and and they, and one of the guys I work with remembers me doing that to this day like a year later and he thought that was bloody awesome and I think they wanted something uh, for autistic people and there was this funding opportunity that came up and I just, I just remember going for it and uh, it was a managed managed care network funding through the uh, NHS, the LFPT, Lincolnshire Foundation Partnership Trust, I think. but yeah, it, it was through that funding, but I got the idea. So people met and still meet at four till four thirty till six at so Sonic Health um, every every Thursday, and uh, people can go when they want. They can come when they want. You know, there's no pressure to be to look people in the eyes, or and I think that that means a lot for a lot of people. Because when I started, it was one one member. And I, and for the longest time, it was me and the same three members. it was like, oh, is this going to evolve into anything? And I think that there's one particular member that has come anymore. Um, thankfully, it's grown towards it is now. Um, I recently, this year, got new funding from, because my old funding ran out, from the Autism Funding Network. I think it's called
2: the Autism Support Network. And I've got that, so that's
0: Congrats. amazing. What what kinds of things come up at the support group? Are there any sort of common themes or any interesting themes that come up, recurring themes that come up that people, your members have?
1: Um, at first, I think just having a place. It was very organically structured, meaning there wasn't really <laughs> any structure. But I think for a lot, for, for for a lot of the early people just coming to a place of acceptance and just talking about that's like what I have. Uh, their journeys and actually talking to an autistic man like me, you know, rather than parents or, or, or whoever it might be in their life, that comes up a lot. And, you know, feeling like more acceptance needs needs to be done. People have talked about PIP forms and having to be judged on this and you know, stuff in the news. And it's just a chilling out place, you know. It's just people play games um we do monthly film and game night so we just had a film night next next month next month will be game night you know, i want to give as much ownership to the people that i'm working with as, as possible you know, I, I i tell them as part of any funding as well we we can deliver um, for awareness sessions because they can't be called training because of you know it's not legally training but it kind of might be, but awareness sessions, and I'm saying, you know, I've got, got my laptop out in the group, and I'm saying, right, guys, this, what, what do you want to say? Now, this is an opportunity to say stuff, and uh, most recently, I took it to the group, and I said um, to one of one of my group members who makes wire sculpt- sculptures, I said, is that okay if I kind of showcase that, because I'd love just people with this thing, because I'm more familiar with public speaking due to poetry and stuff. Uh, if, if you can't, then let me kind of put the spotlight on you so um, yeah if, if you're okay with the spotlight of course I wouldn't force people into it they're not ready but I'm saying look would you like me to is it okay because it's awesome work and some people just need that push.
0: That's great I'm interested to hear a little bit about your poetry um, in particular your your style like how would you describe it you know what your sort of focus or your your sort of agenda when when you're writing and doing your writing up for poetry and performing it and maybe also if you don't mind giving us a little bit of uh, poetry uh, on the podcast uh, and perhaps any advice for you know people getting into poetry i know that james has dabbled quite a lot into poetry actually he's very he's very good i know <laughs> nothing about it i'm awful uh but i guess you know any advice that you might have including what your sort of style is that would be interesting to hear
1: my style is the art of writing without writing. Uh, my dad would appreciate that. It's so a Bruce Lee quote.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> Good old Bruce Lee. well, I'm sure, but my dad would appreciate
1: that. Um, or flowing writing without writing. Anyway, my my style is um, urban, I guess. I've had people, I've had people in Kings Inn, who's he, uh, uh, another county. You know, a bus bus away, about an hour and forty minutes. I remember being introduced there as an open mic as a street poet. And I was like, well, am I that? Uh, uh, I think I said, you know, I, I'm a performance poet. And they said, Cal, I'm a, a street poet. And I've had people call me Spurgeon. I've had people call me different, like, I don't even say my, my surname, Brazo. But I don't I don't care by this point. But just the poetry itself, um, people have introduced me to different things. And I'm like, well, I'm, I, don't, I don't really know. It's just um, thea- theatrical rap I'd say and uh, the way it comes about is because uh, I don't remember any formal teaching I, I, I remember loving English at school and nothing else um, <laughs> PE was crap and I have played truant and got tacked to Boston College where it all kind of transformed for me it was a course for people out, out of mainstream education and that's when things kind of shifted um i'd say because i I was actually put in isolation not put in isolation but there was a um what's the word for it partition uh, partition partition, partition okay from me and the rest
0: of the class or just those it was used for different things but for me i I often sat behind the partition and i actually
1: think that was a good thing because it meant that when you got too much i could maybe i did that too much maybe they were trying to push me and i was like no i don't want it maybe i was maybe I, i raised more hell than I'm aware of, again, I didn't didn't really have that. I didn't have the level of consciousness that I do now about how people might have felt, how how I felt, and what other people were going through. I was just deep in it, deep within the depression, deep
0: within the experiences. Um, But equally, you might say that other people didn't have a sort of understanding of what you were going through.
1: Yeah, yeah, I
0: think it's definitely a two-way street. Um, I mean, there's the one guy there, Adam Webb, really
1: kind of worked with me. Like he, I felt like he was one of those, you know, you have like role models in your life, certain people like Adam Webb, like Gemma, who my dad's friend, but, um, didn't think I'd be in a relationship, relationship with people like that, but really, they're key figures in my life. And um,
0: So what was it about, What, if you don't mind me asking, what was it about, was it Adam Lee you said, was he a teacher or in your school? Was uh, that... Adam Webb, he oh, sorry. was the
1: guy in charge of the, um, out of mainstream education kind
0: of course. Oh, okay, out of mainstream education course, right. So what was it about him that was, like, so powerful and so positive? Like, why do you think he, you know, played such an important role in, you know, your your mental health improving?
1: Um, I think it was just the environment, the, the, the laughs. So I remember him joking a lot, and I remember him kind of being very relaxed but serious when he needs to be, and i have just opened to working with people rather than you sit down, you do this. I think, and I think, you know, because the, the SEN unit at school that I was at, it was, it was a mainstream school, but I was often in the SEN unit. And I remember my dad saying to me years later again that they told him that, you know, we're, we're sorry, Mr. Brasso, we, we failed your son. And that was the head of SEN, um, which must have taken some doing. And I think it was because I wasn't throwing chairs. I wasn't the, the typical, oh, this, you, you, you need to watch this guy. You know, I, I wasn't giving off those those hallmarks of troubled. I was just very quiet, kept to myself, which also is is the hallmark of someone that's troubled in my mind. But mm. I guess it's, it's more difficult, or it, it was difficult back then to know what to do with someone like me who I wasn't. I, it almost would have been easier if I was. One of the cases that you hear where people are hitting teachers and throwing chairs, and I wasn't doing any of that. So, um, you know, so but he, Adam Webb was just just a, a different different guy, you know, from what I'd been used to, um, informal kind of real, like just. And I think I probably take a lot from him and my dad, but definitely definitely from Adam in terms of being real um, with with my group. You know, I've transferred that. Rawness to my group. I, I make, you know, I say to people, he's like, Yeah, I, I struggle with that as well. You know, I'm not uh, trying to be higher up than anyone. I'm just one of you trying to find my way as well. I made that clear uh, early on in the group. I said, Look, I'm just, I'm not used to leading anything. I'm doing my best. Um, let me know what you think. And I was, I'm, I'm just honest, you know, because what's the point in being anything? I'm just
0: trying to get the best out of everybody. Wow. That's so valuable to hear, you know, that, you know, you, your experience was someone who, who, who was honest and transparent, relatable and open, you know, didn't put themselves in an authoritative kind of role. Um, and uh, was positive And it gave you the freedom of expression and acceptance. That's what it sounds like to me that this, this kind of guy, that was his style, you know, I just I only wish that more more educators were were similar, you know, you know, sort of encouraged openness and freedom of expression and individuality. Uh, it certainly sounds like it worked for you and, and has also enabled you to uh, take those values and those ideas and put them into your into the work that you do today. So it's having a continued benefit to people. Yeah, that's, that's really, really great. Um, And you said Gem, Gemma, is it you said was, was someone yes. that someone else that's had a big impact what, why is that um
1: just i think again her her uh, fun and her her ability just to i think i think that probably comes down to experience but i, th- I do feel like some people have this <laughs> almost inherent understanding of, of the socially awkward like i was in slam um you know there's people that don't point the finger and don't you know there's there's Certain people, maybe in in older generations, that would have been, oh, give give him a smack, you know. We're, we're long past, I hope, the days of refrigerator mothers and all this kind of stuff. Give him a, let me give him a slap and he'll be all right, or you know, all that kind of um, just very harsh discipline, which actually doesn't get a lot of people where you, where you want them to be. I think he, she just just understood uh, me on a on a different level. I'm not really sure, that, but I think it just she, she was so much fun and she we'd often say the same things or think the same things, like, how... like I don't know, it's it's hard to kind of describe. I've not seen her in quite some time, but she's just always up for a laugh and she's intelligent and that was a big thing actually growing up. I didn't really connect with people my age were slapping girls at the asses and into one night stands and all this kind of typically boyish behaviour, I guess. I was never about that, I never that about, about, about playing games, or I like, didn't care about that stuff, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was a big uh, connection with Gemma, um,
0: and she was a school friend,
1: yeah, she was my, uh, she's my dad's friend,
0: our family, um, family friend,
1: yes, yeah, and
0: right. uh, so you as a young person, again, experiencing sort of acceptance, and positivity, and those sorts of things, having, having an impact, just, you know, I mean, it's not surprising, you know, I mean, that these things would be so powerful and important. But I do think it's, it's really always good to repeatedly highlight how powerful these um, values and these, these concepts are because they really do have real life impact as it has been the case for you, it sounds like. You know, you, you, you've unfortunately had very difficult times and poor mental health and, and it's these kinds of people and those kinds of experiences that really, really provided crucial help for you to turn a corner.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, just I think... just a final note
0: before I move on. Uh, if you wanted me to, yes, recite. please.
1: Yeah, yeah. it so cool. yeah. But um, <laughs> I don't know if if James feels feels this way, but I I, I feel like um, just hearing a word or like, looking at at a word. I'm um, I'm just fascinated with words, and like some words look so, like some letters next to each other just look great. Like s like sync or six like this S, y, and C kind of combination of um, letters just I just love it I just love how they look how they sound like some just um, and how you break them down I don't really you know, in terms of writing poetry um, again it's been a while I post post Facebook statuses every so often that I want to get something off my chest or just randomly because that comes a lot easier now that um, I'm I'm happy. Um, <laughs> But <laughs> uh, yeah, the the poetry comes a lot easier when you're depressed. And uh, I tell people, you know, now that I'm happy, like well, I need to lose my job, I need to lose my girlfriend. I'm actually looking for a for a job. <laughs> I've been employed up until a few days ago.
0: <laughs> well, if there's any employers listening out there, you know, Callum's your man. Contact him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking for a job. Well, well, well not.
1: Um, I need to stoop lower because. For, for, for art's sake, but um, no, I like, uh, I don't, I or I hate like cat maps, or these rhymes. I remember actually talking to Jennifer about this. I, I said like cat and adapt rhyme and she was saying, no, it doesn't adapt and you have cat. But it's not, and uh, it's not as simple as, and also it depends on the way you say it. And uh, my dad's always said to me. But when, when you read it, he's like, oh, okay, cool. Like, he appreciates it. But when, when I perform it, it brings it to life. And I, I like to follow up from words. So like, um, I might have a, a rhyme scheme of uh, the black uh, cat wearing a Mac has had an adaptation. That I like to continue onto that. And then adaptation will be... Uh, Abstract nation, and then you can. But I wouldn't use nation and Asian. I'd like. I'd use like patience or sacrum or something that sounds. I, I deliberately go for things that sound different. Like I don't like, which which t- t- ties me in not creatively sometimes because it's a lot easier to rhyme. You know I can think of loads of Asian words, but that's that's no fun. That that doesn't sound as good to me. Doesn't look as good to me. I like the difference. Yeah, I don't know if if James <laughs> understands mm. what I'm saying.
2: But yeah, kind of. I remember uh, the first time I saw a word processor and I started playing with, uh, they had a function that basically found the different synonyms of words and things like that. I remember being fascinated with words and um, I remember not having maybe the greatest capacity for speech and being worried about that one summer holiday I got the dictionary and I sort of read there's dictionary from a to z and i pulled out like a whole list of words that i had i tried to learn so yeah I'm, I'm quite aware of that kind of fascination with words and playing with words um but i'm not really a performance poet like you but um i i, I can definitely appreciate that yeah it's amazing i used to, to love for reading the dictionary to go around my mum's and specifically
1: ask uh, for the medical dictionary but i just like <laughs> Octonology I, I think I made that up. But like, oh, what does that mean? That means this. Like, I used to love it. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a weird child. <laughs>
2: well, I was. Uh, Or whatever made yeah. you happy, you know. As long as you're happy. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. That, that weird inner child still lives within me.
2: <laughs> That's good. <laughs> that, that makes you stand out. That's good. Go on, no, no, uh, we could talk
1: about poetry for a long time. I'm sure. I love it. Love <laughs> so that for. for uh, working with the syllables and it kind of flows into this poem which is called nameless which is i should specify because at the end i'll talk about it afterwards to be on the autistic spectrum is neither infection nor disease or a mixture of your deformities it is not backward Let's move forward please because labels and life are like chalk and cheese. We are not orphaned genes, scraps from what we genetically best took, failures since we were fetal. Take note, we are not textbooks, we are people. We are not Oddities with locks and keys, pigeonholed as comedies or coded anomalies. We are not your intellectual properties. We own. We live. We exist. A multitude of preset myths. So let me say this audibly. I am autistic and there is so much more to me. So
0: thank you. Wow, it's very powerful. How, yeah, I don't know how you do it. So powerful. It's such an incredible story told so vividly. An important story as well. Um,
1: I'm glad to say that. And I'm, a few a, a few a few things. So I I'm reading it from my book because it's been so so long. But in the in the version that I read, um, I actually say I have autism. But there, um, there is so much more to me, and you know, I'm, I've learned so much more about language and how people prefer to be called. It's always a person's preference. But I've I've learned, as I've, I guess, learned that there are other people out there um, that I, I am autistic. Because I remember, because the ending, like, but, but there's so much more to me. I remember, um, <laughs> how to say it, Paul, Paul Wadey, um whom you may may know, I'm not sure where it's from, but he he called me out. He says, people are going to hate this because it says I have autism and there's so much more to me. Like, what are you saying here? And um, I think it's even on, there's a YouTube version of that poem on the Autistic Led YouTube channel that I've put up to to really be about autistic-led content. It's also for me as an autistic person, but if anyone else I haven't yet, but the idea behind it is to get, autistic-led content, whether it's whatever. But on that version, it even says, I I, I have autism, I'm, I'm pretty sure, just because back then, I, d- I didn't know. And then that's how I was describing it. Um, I guess that's also kind of the culture that I was in. You know, I didn't know any different. But uh, honestly, some people really, uh, I think, will take offence to that. And what I mean by, you know, there's so much more to me, is looking beyond those myths. I've spent the whole poem talking about mm. and uh i just want to make that clear because some people would hear that and think those two point you know especially when they, if they read it they would think well have autism no what do you mean he's a he's a self-hating uh, you know a- ableist a ableist language and you know that's not how i mean it i just mean like, like i said I've, I've explained kind of my intention behind it and the way i've changed it and on the ableist language um i'm i much prefer to be called autistic like there are people that uh, have been diagnosed asperger's and um, you know, there's the whole conversation about that fading out and because you know, I was diagnosed um with asperger's syndrome but as I've again evolved as a person I just I'm I'm comfortable saying I'm aut- autistic right, rather than anything else mm. um but people have I spoke to someone today at the woodwork group um that was said that said like Autism and and I'm pretty sure, but I've I've spoken definitely spoken to people where they they use person with autism and autism doesn't define them, and you know actually it does and it's okay it's it's not a dirty word and mm. but it, it, when it comes to in casual conversation people say people with autism I know people that will jump down their throat and I've I've always been the type of person to be um. Kind of in the in the background and hearing people out because if you cut them off at that at that point they're not going to say anything else and actually if you get to the crux of what they're actually trying to say that can you know, rather than you know, people would call it the, the grammar police and or grammar nazis whatever they call them you know all that kind of stuff shutting people down completely it, actually if they do have a voice and I, I recognise that they might not get the, the nuances of language right but when you've, when you've lived around you know, or when you haven't had the exposure to the autistic community that I have now, um, or, you know, you're given a leaflet of this, has this language or the people around you, like I say, just how, how are they meant to change?
0: Absolutely. You know, think, absolutely. Yeah? yeah, absolutely. Fully agree. I mean, people are allowed to learn and change the way they think and say things. I mean, that should surely be allowed. You know, I mean, you're not born, nobody's born with full understanding and knowledge of what to say and how to say it.
2: Yeah, I think especially autistic people should know that and make allowances for people.
0: I mean, it's, it, gets,
1: it gets into a foggy area when you think about some autistic brains that are very forthright. People talk about their special interests. don't know when to stop. You know, it might be a case of that when they they, they have something in their mind that they need to get it out, but you know we're we're delving into a deeper issue here I think, which is using uh, the autistic identity as an excuse, and I don't think it should be. I I, I think it only means that, uh, and if there have been big news cases. Um, I think there was a big eye on um, the tube. there's there's other there's loads of other news cases i think where they happen to be autistic or people think they're autistic but if they are diagnosed autistic and they've done these things i mean was another hacker one i don't think that excuses their actions their actions have reactions consequence consequences it just means that maybe you need to communicate things in a different way i don't think we should be saying "It's it's difficult it's a difficult line to draw but I don't think because otherwise people will just throw that autism card out there expecting different results and I just think you know people need to get to the root of things it's it's like behavior people see like throw something at a wall and then all the police will get involved because that's vandalism but actually what if it was like a result of a meltdown you know it all comes back to understanding and acceptance of the root before judging the tree
2: yeah, fully agree. Yeah, I mean, there's always a reason for behaviour. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And
1: and you have to look at each, I think, culture that they've been brought up in individually, because what if the, the, the hacker, for example, if he just thought, oh, this is cool. I'm using my skills. And what if, Or what if they need redirecting to to work with Auticon, for example, which is also in London, um, and Germany, and they, they've reached out Australia, I think. Um, I remember meeting them at one of the autism shows, I think i I'm was really impressed with what they do, which is like, put autistic people's talents into like IT projects. That's, that's how I yeah. understand it. Yeah. Um, and like, what if, what if that hacker needed to have something like that in his life, but he didn't know about it, you know, there's all kinds of, uh, and it comes back to my, not, this is not selfish, selfishly, um, bringing it, bringing it back to me, but my Ted, my TEDx talk, which is, um, why people make mountains out of molehills. It's about saying, you know, make the most of that individual. And I I talk about it in the talk, you know, someone's interested in trains and the family took that and helped him to communicate. And, you know, rather than saying, no, you need this curriculum, you need to do this, stop doing this, it's just using what you have and and kind of expanding that. There's so many textures and colours and parts of a train. There's rather than, oh, the the train's a problem, get rid of it.
0: there's there's a lot more you can do yeah I I watched that video actually it was really good Um, there were two videos aren't there uh, two TEDx Mm. Um, and what I really like is that you say in one of them that um, you know we we you know we make a fuss about many things right we like we fuss about the weather you know and uh, other examples that you give and it isn't bad actually to make a fuss about you know understanding and autis you know autistic acceptance and understanding, and, and making a fuss is going to help us to forward discourse, forward understanding. Um, mm. it, it, do you want to sort of elaborate on that? That's quite an interesting. I thought that was quite an interesting point you were making. Yeah, um,
1: we're, we're worth. I think I think I ended it saying something like people are worth fussing about because mm. um, I don't know. We're, we 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 want to celebrate and and lift each other up, or we should be, I think, you know, rather than... that, there, There's enough people in this world and there's enough, even in, in fighting, are people, autistic people that don't get on that we should be realising okay, again, really weirdly, um, Royce the Five because he's, he's very, in my mind at the minute, that's why I'm bringing it back to him. He was saying that black, black people, he's, he's, he's a black, black rapper, he was saying that black people need to realise and um, their their unity, the the power of their unity to get what they want out of life and you know, to to bring themselves out of their oppression, their their cultural oppression it they might be having. And and as an artist as well he was saying that the autistic community needs needs to do the same. There's been infighting with the autistic community with functioning labels. I'm better than you, I'm a they call them Shining Aspie's or something, you know, there's, what, what's the point? You know, we're all autistic people. Why wouldn't we be all fighting for our own collective rights? And the other um, issue that I've, I find, I've not been online in a while, keeping up to date with things because there's so much on my feed all the time and going on, like this, this new story. In, in, in the same Facebook feed, you'll have... <laughs> Autistic man starts a coffee shop uh, despite teachers saying he couldn't, or something really inspirational, mm. inspirationally monographic, inspiration porn, which is, or, or something gen- genuinely good. Um, and then in the same feed, you'll have people have died, you know, people have been abused at this school. So it's just a, a constant emotional roller coaster. So I've taken a, a step back from the loss of it. Bit, but when I was more active online, parents are very much. They get protective. They get, you know, combative. Which, like I say, you don't see it my child. How, how dare you? And you get, you get, it bleeds into the, you know, the cure rhetoric. Like, why, why, why are you stopping me from curing my child? My child has this. This going on. This and he's, destroying the house and all this stuff. And um, you know, it's really dangerous if if we don't kind of derail that or at least have a discourse about it, but healthy discourse about it. It's just like we're all fighting, for, like we're all part of the same world, the same community. Like why? It's just it's kind of if you, if you bring it too far into your life, it can really get you
2: down. I think because it's just it's so pointless. <laughs> it's really, it really is. Yeah, that's totally that's the trouble with um, the internet. I can remember <laughs> a long a long stretch of my life didn't have the internet in it because it didn't exist until I was in well into my twenties there was no internet so I often think back about what it was like then and yes it was more isolating but <laughs> but and I compare it to now you know and there's there's pros and cons you know and um, but I totally agree with what you were saying about um arguments over functioning and the, and the kind of the the kind of ownership some parents take of of their child's identity which is you know, taking that too far is wrong. You know, of, of them, they're taking away because their ch- children can't communicate, or they they haven't found a way to communicate yet. Doesn't mean that they're not capable, um, and doesn't mean that that it doesn't mean that we don't have insight into what they're going on, what what they're going through. Um, you know, because. Th- nobody knows what the kind of things that we've we've gone through um as we were as we were developing and, and growing up you know it's it can it could take an autistic person uh 20 30 40 50 years to you know or or more to to develop you know Um so i totally understand what you're saying and um, we shouldn't be arguing about it we should be finding ways to support each other at the end of the road we'll, we'll support um, the next generation you know
1: i think there has to be a certain level of um sacrifice in, in a way I, I wrote i wrote about it um because i also haven't talked about this but um i have a autistic links which is my newspaper column yeah for my local paper and um, it's got a facebook page and uh, it's cu- approaching on the 11th of march for two year like I, I call it your, your autiversary
0: um, <laughs> Fantastic, that's clever, isn't it? Yeah. I think I think um, you gotta you gotta take the intellectual property on that one, Callum. That is that is good. You gotta claim rights to that term. <laughs> that's yeah, good.
1: But I I recently talked about this this glass half full mental mind state that I've been in because my column only exists when there's there's an equal balance. Like there has to be something bad as well as something good going on for me to write about stuff. So. If, as, as proud as i am to keep this column going it's almost like i need things that happened to to report that makes sense and, and to talk about
2: oh, happening yeah, yeah yeah i know what you mean um in terms of writing poetry so something something strong something bad triggers a strong emotion in you and that um motivates you is that right yeah,
1: yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, so, you know. I mean, I think when when you, I don't know, the ins and outs of your your own stories, James uh, and Chris, but just from what I've said about, you know, I I wrote when I was in the darkest times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. these
2: so yeah. maybe. And and that kind of gives you an outlet by writing it down, you know. Like some people have a diary, for instance, and and they commit their inner feelings to that, but you've you've sort of brought it out in your poetry um so yeah i understand i get that
0: yeah i understand which the public can then benefit from as well right which is the be- beautiful thing about it It's so inspiring
1: that's that's it i mean now that i'm out of my own holes uh i, I say in my book i think and in, in life a lot you know, my personal journey has become a collective journey now I, I kind of look towards the community for inspiration i think right what's what's your plight Because i have this platform how can i you know, I've, I've given, I think I talked briefly about it before, like giving my spotlight to someone else in, in the presentation, but I also do that with my columns. So I say, guys, if you want to say something, I've got this column every Tuesday, Thursday, whatever it is. You know, if you want to say something,
0: here it is. That's fantastic. Really, really great. I'm aware that time is getting on um, and we've talked about lots and lots of different things. Um, And I'd really, really like to link in to the podcast description, you know, links to your various YouTube uh, TEDx talks and your column, your movement performance poetry book and the autistic led group, perhaps, um, and other things. So I'll certainly put put in links so, so listeners can access, you know, all of the work that you're doing.
1: And the only thing with my book is, because um, the, the website's actually um, under control, under further construction at the minute, so if people just want want my book, um, it's probably best to contact me directly. Do you
0: want to sort of just describe what the book is about? Is it sort of a collection of poetry, a uh, collection of readings, or...?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a journey from about 11, well, 11 or 12 when I wrote my first poem, to to now. Um, probably about 26, 27, I think there's two poems. But uh, yeah, it's like a, it's a journey of me from, and it, it, the writing style changes, uh, the topics change, the depth of the topic, it starts from talking about true love to actually being in a relationship and what's that, what that, what that's like, um, my depression, uh, wanting to be seen, there's some silly poems in there about biscuits and all kinds of stupid stuff as well, um, and then I talk about grief and hope, one of my uh, proudest poems at the minute is called The Energy Bulb and it's about just grief and um it was originally about my uh girlfriend at the time whose mum passed away and, and the grief it took the, the grief it had on uh it, it took its toll on our relationship. And there's um there's more to that story that I haven't written down uh, yet. But um, and then Mendip happened that Mendip Men House and I kind of channeled that into that poem and uh so that's what i'm proud of as well i can perform that if you
0: want um yeah if you don't mind that that would be great yeah yeah yes please yeah if you don't mind
1: pitch black pestilence absorbs you wholly leaves you empty can't control these dark thoughts when they're all you see When you fall, who will be there to prop you up when you'd rather be invisible? As if it's merely physical, sometimes it is not enough. I can show you the way, but they're your footsteps. Even if you can't look yet to the future, you'll get there. You'll get there. Let's share any burden when you feel you need to. Ain't no blueprint but to those in the cocoon whose mood sink and the room shrinks just so I see you. You won't be left in the cold because you are an energy bulb that illuminates over time. Take it and reject any expected results three months and you're fine yes yes you'll evolve it's just that right now life's luminescence is dulled but you are an energy bulb and remember that you will shine
0: wow oh my goodness me So emotional, so emotional, Um, and inspirational and powerful. I mean, wonderful, wonderful poem. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Callum. Thank you very much. So, yeah, I'd really encourage our listeners to um, please check out uh, Callum's work, uh, his book, all of the various things that he does, and please get in contact with him uh, if you want to get your hands on his amazing uh, collection of poetry and um, and and presumably that would be a great way to sort of learn a little bit more about poetry for aspiring poets presumably as well you know people sort of entering poetry and 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 wanting perhaps some some inspiration I'm sure there's lots of people that would be interested so I'll I'll definitely link the details in Callum Um, so it's been really 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 wonderful having you on um is there anything else you'd like to add
1: no that's it i think um we're good
0: all right well in that case um i just want to say again thank you thank you so much for being so open about your experiences your journey um you know the 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 importance poetry and performance has for you how you've leveraged everything you know positively into collective responsibilities you put it uh and supporting your community and uh, you know it's been really really fascinating and inspiring uh, hearing from you so a uh, big thanks from me
2: yeah and I've, I've enjoyed talking to you so much callum um and i think you're a great example to a lot of um, young autistic people out there second
1: okay.
0: i was one of them <laughs> yeah so was i <laughs> so thanks again and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon callum absolutely
1: loved it thank you very much
0: thank you thank okay. you take care take care bye